This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. It's all in one place and it's free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start recreating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available now on Spotify. Of course, they're optional. And when you want to take your conversations with your fans to the next level, the Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking and to get the conversation going. With Spotify for podcasters, you can even earn money in a variety of ways, including podcast ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Listen, ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, it has truly taken my show to a whole new level, especially with having the options like the video podcast, the Q&As and the polls, and has let me be creative in a completely different way and connect with my audience in a completely different way as well. So I highly recommend that you give it a try. Download Spotify for podcasters app or either go to the website, which is spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. You're now listening to the Girl Take Note Podcast, hosted by Shawnee Sanders, former series satellite radio host and TV personality. This is the only podcast energizing women to live life unapologetically and enjoy the journey. So if you're ready for a hilarious, candid and honest show, then let's jump into today's episode where we're discussing all things black culture, relationships, current events and everything in between. Now, here's your host, Shawnee. Sanders. Welcome to the Girl Take No podcast with me, your host, Shawnee Sanders. And today is just a solo show, and it is just me and you. And I wanted to take some time to share my story, being that it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I wanted to have an opportunity to share my story and my journey with being diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, in October of 2021, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I think the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't know if this is for every woman who has ever been diagnosed, but I think when we when we suffer, when we hear anything traumatic in our lives, I think the first thing we think about is, God, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Because those are the things I thought. I'm not even going to lie. Like, as soon as my doctor said it to me, those are the first things that came to my mind. Like, why me? And why, did I, why do I deserve this? Why is this happening to me? And I don't know if that is like a selfish type of way of thinking or it's just reactive. You know, when you go through something, you do ask yourself, why is this happening to me? But let me tell you guys exactly how I got diagnosed, how it all happened. 
And so a lot of those people don't know me. I used to have a very large breast, very large breast. I was a 34F. And so I had a very small back. My back is small, but my breast was very large. And so for years I suffered from back and neck pain. I mean, waking up every day with pain every day. And I don't know if a lot of people know what that's like of waking up every day with back pain, being able some mornings to not even get out of bed. Like my husband has to help me get out of bed. That's how much pain I was in. And it kind of grew over the years because I've always had large breasts and I've been dealing with them all my life. And so over the years, the pain just increased more. And so for me to have such a large breast, my frame is small, you know, so like hence I'm a 34. So my back is small but my breast was very large. And so after dealing with the pain for years, I told my husband, you know what? I'm finally going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it no more. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to get the surgery. I'm going to take all the necessary precautions. I'm going to take all, I'm going to go through all the steps of getting the insurance to approve it. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it because I want to live pain-free. And so I, I went through all the steps to get the surgery approved and I was very excited. And let me tell you, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I was super excited about being able to wear like strapless dresses or shirts and <laughs> being able to wear spaghetti strap dresses and shirts, being able to wear a normal bathing suit top, like halter top or just a strappy little bathing suit top, being able to wear a halter top, something backless, or just being able to wear a button down shirt. Do you guys have no fucking idea how hard it was for me to have those type of breasts that I had and to wear a back, a, a button down shirt? Like the buttons will be practically pulling apart. That's how bad it was. You know, that's how large my breast was. So I had a very hard time finding shirts that will actually like button up over my breasts or finding shirts that I could wear. I could never wear a crop top. And so knowing that I was getting ready to have this surgery, I got so excited about the fact that, oh my God, I'm going to be able to have a normal life. I thought, you know, <laughs> just a normal life because smaller breasts allow me to do more things. Like honestly, and women who have large breasts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so I was excited. I was nervous and excited at the same time. I've never been through a major surgery like this before. I've never been through any major surgery. And so I was very excited that I was going to get an opportunity to um, live pain-free. And so, you know, moving up to, this is during COVID. So of course I had to get like clear for COVID. I had to take the test and make sure that I was, didn't have COVID. And so everything went well. Became come my surgery day, my husband, you know, we're driving to the hospital great doctors um and i was so nervous and, you know i think one of the first things i thought about and i don't know if anybody else who had major surgery you think about movies that you've seen i remember seeing this movie once before and the guy they put him under anesthesia but he was still able to feel all the pain of the surgery and so <laughs> Being the crazy person that I am, I thought about, oh my God, is the anesthesia going to work? Like, am I going to feel all the pain and the cutting and the sewing and everything from my surgery? Like, what the fuck? And so I thought about that and I asked the anesthesiologist, I said, um, sir, is this going to work? And he looked at me as if I was crazy, of course. <laughs> he said, yes, it's going to work. You're not going to feel a thing. And I was like, okay. So I went in. I swear to you, I felt like I went in and next thing you know, I was out because I don't remember anything from the surgery. 
And, but I didn't remember I had a hard time waking up from the anesthesia. And I don't know if other people suffer that. Like I really had a hard time waking up from the anesthesia and they actually had to wake me up um, from the anesthesia because I wouldn't get up. And so I guess I was sleeping too long and they're like, okay, Miss Sanders, it's time for you to get up now. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm all groggy. And I'm like, how am I even supposed to walk? I can't even walk. I, I suffer from vertigo. And so when they woke me up, it kind of snapped me out of it. And I was having like a vertigo attack and at the same time where the room was spinning and I'm feeling nauseous and, you know, they're moving me around in this wheelchair. So it was just crazy. My experience afterwards, just <laughs> coming out of anesthesia was just crazy. But overall, the surgery went really well. And when I mean it went really well, I didn't feel any pain. And what I can tell you about breast reduction surgery is that you do not suffer from pain. I don't know whoever I maybe have had one, but for me, I didn't have any pain. I had a lot of tightness and soreness I felt, but when it came to pain at my pain level, because I think they gave me, um, God, I forgot the medication they gave me just that, I think they gave me Oxy for the pain, but I didn't have to use Oxy simply because I didn't feel pain. It's, you know, maybe some nights I probably feel like a little soreness and maybe I would take like Advil. So I was able to take the extra strength Advil, or extra strength Tylenol that is. And that was able to help me get through it. But I can tell anyone who's looking to go have breast reduction surgery, it's not like a BBL. You're not gonna have suffered from that kind of pain. It was very painless. Um, you're not gonna be able to lift nothing for a while. You're not gonna be able to, um, you know, lift your hands up over your head and you have to wash differently. But overall, my recovery was super easy, super easy. And I wasn't in any pain. I mean, that's the main thing I think I thought about the most was, am I is this going to be painful afterwards? So I did that thing that everybody does. I go to YouTube. I search through all the um all the videos, you know, I go down that rabbit hole saying to myself, okay, I got to know everything that I need to know just to be sure that it's not going to be painful. And I think when I did my research with the surgery, I saw some women who had to get um, tubes in on the side of their breasts. And I didn't have to do that, thank God. And I think the only thing that was painful for them is when they removed those tubes. But throughout the process of watching everyone's journey, no one ever complained about being in like such horrible pain. So I was really excited about that. And I was like, thankful, thank God, I'm not gonna be in all this pain because I don't know about you guys, but I have a real fucking low tolerance for pain. And so, um, so my recovery was really good. I mean, I could, I couldn't do a lot of things. I could barely walk. I remember coming home from the hospital. I slept the entire next day and, um, and I think I was just sleeping a lot. I slept propped up because they tell you to prop yourself up. Don't sleep flat, which I can't anyway. I can't sleep flat because of vertigo, but, um, I was able to prop myself up, but I slept a lot and I was catered to a lot. Of course, people bringing me food, husband catered to me, friends coming by, family um, helping me out with my recovery, which wasn't hard. But when I tell you, when I came the next day, when I woke up, I felt better. And I went to the mirror and I saw myself. I almost didn't even recognize myself. I did not recognize myself because those large breasts that I used to have hanging down to my, to my navel, right, were gone. They were sitting up on my chest like a like a goddamn 19 year old with the perkiest breast you ever seen. Right. And I was like, oh, my God, is this me? Is this what my body looks like with smaller breasts? 
And so I was excited. I can't tell you how my husband felt because I can't tell you one thing. My husband did love that I had the big breasts. Now I can tell you that, but I think he was a little disappointed that I got them chopped off. But, um, but overall, finding out what we did, he was very grateful and thankful that I did do the surgery and so was I. And so the experience of having the surgery and waking up that next day, the ne first thing I did, and this is full disclosure for you guys, I started trying on all the tops that I brought that I couldn't fit in before. And I was able to just slip them over me and just, and they fit exactly the way they're supposed to fit. I was amazed, amazed. I am one of the happiest women with small breasts. I don't know about anyone else. I'm super fucking happy with these small breasts. And I don't think I went so far down to the point where I don't have breasts. Like I'm a D cup, like a solid D cup. And I'm happy with that because I still wanted breasts. I still wanted cleavage and I still wanted to be sexy for my husband because I'm like, I know he married me because of these breasts. So I don't want to get them all chopped off so he can still have something to kind of look at and you know, all that stuff that we do as, as married people. But it was a good surgery and it was a good experience. And even right now today, I'm so happy I did it. And so I did my recovery and it was time for me to have my first post-op um, visit with my doctor. And amazing doctor, I tell you, love him so much, Dr. Masson. And it was just one of the best um recovery experiences. And so when I went for my first post-op, I was so excited for him to start taking off some of the bandages. I would get to see my breasts really, because at this point, you know, my breast was completely covered. I would change out my bandages, of course, but it's completely covered. I don't really know what they look like as of yet. And so I went for that first visit and I'm sitting in the chair and my knee stroke me. And I'll never forget this day, of course. I remember it like yesterday. I'm sitting in there and we're talking and I'm just telling her, oh, I'm so glad I got this first post-op visit now. I'm ready to get some of the bandages taken off and see if I can lift my arms maybe and just do some normal stuff that I used to do, right? And so he comes in, he looks at my breasts, everything looks great. And then he said, "Miss Sandra, I have something else I need to share with you. And I was like, okay. He was like, first, I just want you to know that you're gonna be okay. And as soon as he said that, I was like, what the fuck is about to happen right now? What do you mean I'm going to be okay? I said, okay. And you know, my mind is just, I'm worried. I'm like, oh God, what, what, what is it? What is it? Never in my wildest dreams did I think what he said to me was what he was going to say. And he said, I want you to know that I sent your breast tissue out to a pathologist and a lab. And when they tested the bright breast tissue, they found cancer. And... I said, I mean, you could probably hear a pin drop in the room when he said that to me. You asked, I mean, seriously, I should have had my niece on the show with me so she can confirm. And in that moment, I felt like, I, I mean, all these questions started swirling in my mind. And all I could think about was like, what? what I, and I said to him, I'm sorry, what are you saying to me? I said, are you saying to me that I have cancer? That I have breast cancer? And he said, yes, I'm saying that to you. He said, but I want you to know that the stage you're at, you are at a stage where it's prevented. You, can, you are a stage for prevention. And so the stage that I was at when I was diagnosed with breast cancer was stage zero. Now, mind you, that is the first time I've ever heard of stage zero. I didn't even know stage zero even existed, right? And what he said is that it is the it is low grade cancer cells. 
and it's stage zero and it's treatable. He said, that is the best part about this conversation that I'm having with you today is that it's a hundred percent treatable. And although he said it was treatable, my mind still went back to how did this even happen? That's what I thought about. How did this even happen? When did this happen? Why didn't I know that this was happening? And so the question I said to him, I said, doctor, I just got a mammogram, a breast mammogram, two months ago. I got a mammogram for the surgery. Why didn't my mammogram catch this? And let me go back for you guys for a little bit to tell you that when I did my breast, um, when I did my mammogram, I had, they found a discrepancy, right? And so when they found a discrepancy, I was super nervous then. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And when they said, don't worry, we just need to just do a second mammogram just to be sure that everything is good. And I went back, I did the second mammogram nervously waited for the results to come back. And they said, okay, it's just tissue. It's nothing to be worried about. And also when I remember now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't even, it was my left breast. It wasn't even my right breast, which is where they found the cancer. And so he said to me, he said, Ms. Sanders, the reason why your breast exam didn't pick it up is simply because how large your breasts are and how dense the breast tissue is and, and where the tissue and where the cancer was hiding at, which was, on the right side closest to your armpit. He says, so your mammogram, because of the density of your tissue and your breast and how large it was, your mammogram would have never picked it up. And I just want you to listen to that for one moment when I say my mammogram would have never picked it up because of how large and how dense my breasts were. And it shocked me to my core when he said that to me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm getting a little emotional now and I'm trying my best not to, um, not to cry because I was in such an emotional state when he said it to me and I didn't even show it to my niece who was with me. You know, I tried to show that I'm strong and I'm gonna stay strong and, you know, I'm not gonna let this affect me. It's, it's curable, it's, I'm in a good place. And I really had to keep telling myself that, but when he told me that, my breast exam was not even gonna pick it up. All I thought about, and I mean this 100%, all I thought about was, what if I never got the surgery? What if I would've said, you know what? I'm just gonna wait till next year. Where would my life be right now? What stage would I be in right now? Or would I even be here right now? To think about that, God, this is, this, is, this is getting emotional and I'm trying not to be emotional, but to think about the fact that if I wouldn't did the surgery, to know that I wouldn't be here right now, I don't know what stage I would be at right now, if I would even be at a stage where I can fight it and win. And I thought about all the women that have lost their lives to cancer, to breast cancer, or any form of cancer. And I thought about the women in my family and how I didn't, I didn't 
I didn't know if we had a history of breast cancer. I knew we didn't have it on my mother's side. My father's side, I had to do some work afterwards to figure out if the women on my father's side had breast cancer. And I'm not even saying that it's hereditary because cancer is sporadic. You know, it's not like it comes from, oh, you got it from this or you got it from that or because your mom had it, you have it. You know, it, it doesn't always work that way. And so I just felt like if I went and got the surgery, if I would have never got the surgery, where would my life be today? Where would I be today? Where would my life be today? And so, oh God. So after he said that to me, you know, I guess he saw the nervousness in my face and he just um, wanted to calm me down and let me know that, Miss Sanders, you're in a good place. He said, you're in a good place because this is 100% treatable. He said, but what's about to happen next are a few things. He said, one, you're going to have to go register with the Breast Cancer Center here um, at Andoronda Hospital in Maryland. He said, two, you're going to be, you're going to have a dedicated person coordinated to you. We're going to coordinate all your appointments. He said, three, you're going to have a lot of appointments and it's going to be a very tough experience to go through. He said, but I want you to be encouraged and I want you to know that you have a team of doctors who are working on your behalf in the background. We are working towards getting you better and keeping you healthy. He said, so that's what I want you to know, that you're not alone. And when he said that to me, I swear to you guys, yo, <laughs> I felt so much better because I felt like I do have a team. I have advocates on my side who are experiencing this, who are who are aware of where I am and who are looking out for me and who are interested in seeing that I I get better. And so I left, me and my niece left. He gave me a hug. And um we left. And I and I was in a state of shock still. And my niece was in a state of shock too. And, um, you know, we're driving in the car and I think I was still in denial somewhat when I called my sisters and my, you know, my brothers and friends. And I told them what happened, what I was diagnosed with. And of course, nobody could believe it either. Everybody was shocked. People were emotional. And I think I said to them, I said, oh, but I don't have cancer. And she's like, auntie, you do have cancer. She kept saying to me, auntie, you do. Every time I said it to someone, I said, yeah, but I don't have cancer. I just have a low grade. And she's like, auntie you have cancer you have breast cancer and I just was looked at her and I was like stop saying that to me you know and I, because I didn't want to you know I told her to stop saying it to me because I didn't want to believe it even though the doctor said it I didn't want to believe it and the reason why I told her I don't have it I said the breast tissue they took out have it I don't have it anymore and she said auntie she said, okay. That's what she said. She said, okay. Because I felt like, well, they took it out. So it's not in me anymore. So I don't have to worry about it. And of course I was wrong because it's still a lot of preventative things you have to do. A lot of appointments I had to go through. Um, it was a lot, you know, having, but I think what happened, what happened afterwards, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what happened afterwards was that um, the coordinator my coordinator for the Breast Cancer Center called me and she said, Miss Sanders, I want you to know that I'm 
you know, Gloria from the Burst Cancer Center. She said, I'm your personal coordinator. She said, I'm here for you to support you through this. She said, I want you to know that you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. She said that you are in a good place. She said, what we're doing, what's going to happen next is going to be for preventative methods. She said, we need to make sure that during the surgery that they got everything out to make sure there are no more cells left in your breast. And she says, so the first things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to learn more about you and your history. And what I want you to do is I want you to do genetic testing. She said, I want you to find out if cancer is cancer something that is in your family. Because when she first asked me the question, I told her, I don't have any family members that any women in my family that have died or that have been diagnosed with breast cancer. So I do have my mom and my sister who's always had lumps in their breasts, but they were never cancerous. And so I call my sisters on my father's side and she say, well, you need to start calling people to figure out exactly what's going on just to make sure that you know for sure. And I was like, okay. So I immediately call my sisters on my father's side and I said, hey, you know, cause I don't know that much about my father, my fam, my father's family, my aunts and stuff like that. Um, I was young, they were older and a lot of them had passed away. And I asked him, I said, Hey, do we have any aunts that may have to have been diagnosed with breast cancer that have died from breast cancer? And she said that we do have, we have had aunts who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. She said, none of them have died, but they have been diagnosed and they all survived. And I was like, okay, because now I had to tell them that, well, I have been diagnosed with breast cancer today. Stage zero. And, you know, they were all shocked. They were all just being very encouraging. And they were all just trying to support me and tell me how much they love me and tell them that I'm going to be okay. And, you know, I told them that, you know, I had a breast reduction surgery. They took out the cells and I don't believe there's anything left in me, you know, because I have faith and God is good. Um... I said, but I still have to go through the testing and all the preventative methods and ask all the questions that I can. And so a month after that, it's just been a series of appointments of um, just going to the radiologist, seeing that if I might need chemo, um, finding out other, finding out other methods and other ways that, um, that I can deal with this. And one of the ways they told me that I can deal with it was through taking a pill for over the next five years if I choose to they just gave me a range in terms of like percentage in terms of like the percentage of it coming back if you don't do anything if you just do the pill if you do the pill in some um if you do the pill and then some form of radiology you know then these are the things that it can do and I said, okay, the chances of me getting in without the pill and the pill can throw you into early menopause. The pill has so many different side effects and it's a pill for five years. But I looked at the percentage in terms of like, um, if I don't take the pill, how likely it is to come back. And it was very low. And so I chose to go that route. But also I still had to, once my breast healed, I still had to get another mammogram done to make sure that I didn't have anything. And so just mind you, I had just had surgery. This is only my first pre-op appointment. And now here I am waiting for my breast to heal just so I can find out if there's still cancer in either breast. And that took weeks. And when I tell you for those weeks, I was just like, Emotionally, I was all over the place and I don't think nobody recognized it because I didn't show it. I try to show a face of strength, 
I didn't want to be sad. I didn't want to be crying. But what people didn't know was that when I was by myself at times, I cried a lot. I really did. I cried a lot because the question I'm asking is like, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? When did this happen? God, why didn't I know? And then I had to think that God is so good to me. And I, I don't know about you, but I can tell you that God is so good to me that he allowed me, not that he allowed me, he made sure that I did not wait because I was even considering waiting for the surgery. He made sure that I didn't wait, that I got the surgery exactly when I needed to get it. So therefore this could be discovered. But that's how much God loves me. And that's how much he loves his children is that I didn't even know it was there, but you know what he did? God did. God knew it was there. And he made sure that I did this surgery at this time because one of the questions I also asked is, how long has it been there? And that's not a question that anyone could ask me. And I'm sorry, not answer. They couldn't answer how long it's been there. And I don't think they can ever answer that for anything, honestly. But I just wanted to ask the question. I didn't know if they knew or not because I'm like, I've never been diagnosed with breast cancer before. I don't know if you can know like when it happened and all of that. And maybe I was just thinking just erratically. But I was just like, well, when did this happen? And they couldn't tell me. No one could tell me that. And so after being healed, dealing with my different emotions, going through the emotions, talking to my family and my mom and everything. And it was so surreal for me because my mother is such a strong woman. And she's always have such great things to tell me. And I think when you hear traumatic things like this, you want to run to your mother. And I was able to talk to my mom about it. But unfortunately for me, my mother suffers from dementia. And so in the moment when I'm speaking to her and I'm crying, she understands what I'm saying to her and she's encouraging me. And she's asking, I'll go, well, when did this happen? How did it happen? And I was like, mom, I don't know. I just know I got diagnosed and I know now I have all these appointments that I have to go through, but I wanted you to know, although I knew my mom probably would forget, I still wanted her to know. Like even to this day, I don't think she know, remembers that I've been through that because of her dementia. But I wanted my mom to know, I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to hear her voice. I wanted her, I wanted to hear her tell me it was gonna be okay. And you know, when you have a parent that suffers from dementia, it's hard. It's really hard, but I think that's another show that I think I will actually do about having a parent that suffers from dementia and it's hard. But at that moment, I just wanted to hear my mother's voice and I'm getting emotional again. I don't know why, <laughs> but I just wanted to hear my mother's voice. I wanted her, I wanted to hear her tell me that it was going to be okay. I wanted her to just tell me that she loved me and she told me all of that. And, and I don't know what it is about a mother's word, but when they tell you something, you believe it. Like a hundred percent, you believe what your mother tell you. And when she told me that I was going to be okay, and my mother is such a strong prayer. And she prayed for me on the phone that day. And I'm like, through dementia, right? My mother pray, pray like, prayer life is just so strong. And so when she prayed for me, I just felt like, God, I'm already healed. I don't have it. 
talking to my friends, praying for me, telling me I don't have it. I'm healed already. And I just felt so much more encouraged. I felt stronger to deal with it. And I felt like, okay, Sean, you have to be positive. You cannot be negative in this situation. It is all about your mindset. And you have to know that you're going to get through this. And so I was able to go to the Breast Cancer Center in um, Maryland here in Anne Arundel County. And I was able to talk with other women at the Breast Cancer Center who are survivors and be able to hear their stories of what they had to go through. And I had to be grateful that I was in a place where I didn't have to have chemo. Um, but I would have to do some form of um, radiology. And I was just like, it was just such a mind-blowing experience for me. And it still is even to this day, because even to this day, I still have to be tested every six months. I have to test to make sure that um, the cancer has to come back. Like even recording this right now, I have an appointment coming up where I'm going to have another mammogram done just to be sure that I'm in a good place. And I'm nervous. I am 100% nervous about that. And... And then the thought of like, oh, I got to do radiation and I would have to do it when I talked to the radiologist, I would have to do radiation five days a week for 15 minutes a day for I think it was like four or five weeks. And, you know, it was such a it was a grueling process. And to think about if I chose that option, that's what I would have to do. And so I was able to choose the option where. I didn't have to take the pill. I didn't have to do the radiation. I was able to just be like, okay, just stay up on your mammograms. And so when I finally got healed and I was able to get that second mammogram, just to be sure that they got it all out, I went. Um, of course, one of the women from the cancer center accompanied me during that time. Um, my husband was not able to come me to that appointment. I went by myself um, and... It's so funny when I told my mom I was going by myself. She said, Sean, you're not alone. God is there with you. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, mom, you're right. I'm not alone. And so the women, so while I'm waiting for my results, one of the women from the cancer center came and she was sitting with me and she was just talking with me and just trying to keep me encouraged. And I'm emotional there too. I'm crying and stuff like that. And I feel so bad because I'm like, I have stage zero. This is a woman that overcame stage three. And I'm crying, you know, but yet she didn't judge me. She understood. And she said she understood because just to be diagnosed with breast cancer overall is such a traumatic experience for anyone to go through. And it's a hard experience. And so she sat there with me the whole time, holding my hand. And for a moment, we just sat in silence. You know, both of us did not saying a word, just sat there in silence, just holding each other hand and, you know, just waiting. And finally, the doctor came in. And he said, Miss Sanders, I have good news. There's no more breast cancer tissues in your breast. She said, what they got in surgery, they got everything out. We checked the entire breast. We did the 3D imaging. There's nothing there. And when I tell you, I broke down and cried a cry of joy, right? A cry of joy because I was so happy. I had already claimed it. I already knew that God had healed me. I already knew that God said I got it all out. I already knew he did it. But it was just such an amazing, an amazing experience. And I was so happy about it. And I just said, God, thank you. Thank you. And I, I wanted to share this story with everyone because it's just one of those things where you have to be aware of your health. 
right? And you have to be your own advocate. And you have to be able to ask her when you go in for your next mammogram, make sure you ask for a 3D mammogram. And some people do and some people don't. I didn't know 3D imaging existed, right? But from now on, when I go, that's the only type of mammogram I get. Because no matter what, my breasts are smaller, I still have dense tissue. And I still need to make sure they're able to see the entire breast 360. And so um, I wanted to share this story because it's a story of one, a lot of women are diagnosed with stage zero. And I don't think a lot of people know about it. And it's still a stage where you're it's able to be prevented. But I think we still need to understand what it is. So make sure you get your mammograms. Make sure you do your self-breast exams. Um, make sure you talk to your doctors about your mammogram and making sure that everything is 100% and that you are in the best place possible. Because had I not known about stage zero, I would be here. I don't even know what I'd be talking about right now. And so I'm just very excited that I had an opportunity to share this story and for people to maybe learn from it and be inspired from it and just understand that, you know, we have to stay on top of our health. We have to. And like I said, today, I am 100% cancer free. I do have a new mammogram coming up within the next few weeks. And I'm praying that I'm still 100% cancer free. And I want to continue to stay there and live a healthy life. But I will forever be changed by this experience. I am a cancer survivor. Um, and I am a huge advocate for cancer research and finding a, a cure for this disease because it has taken away so many loved ones, so many women across the world. And I'm praying that one day we do find a cure for it and we can save lives. But I, I just want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Girl Take No podcast. And thank you for just listening to my story. I hope that you're able to learn something from it. I hope it inspires you. I encourage you to stay on top of your health, no matter what it may be. But also, I just hope it encourages you to make sure you know where you are when it comes to your mammograms. And let's remember that we need to do those. Let's not push them off. Let's make sure that we stay on top of it and advocate for yourself. You are your own advocate. Your health is your wealth and you are your own advocate. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am Shawnee Sanders. And I will see you next time. Make sure you check out the episode. Every episode, every Thursday, we're dropping a new episode um, right here on the channel, on our YouTube channel. And also it is streaming on all platforms where you get your podcast from. So I'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Take Note podcast. Make sure to follow, review, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. And remember, take time to enjoy the journey. Until next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, 
Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.